What's up, guys? I'm Josiah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adult Stop Today podcast. And we're mixing it up this morning in the studio today. We're doing something we've never done before. We are tag teaming podcasts with Youthology Live. Pastor Jeff Cornell, a great friend of ours. I'll introduce him in just a second, but I'll let him say hi to the podcast listeners on his side of the screen. Yes, so glad that you could join us, that I could join you, (laughs) actually. uh, I want to welcome all of our Youthology listeners. You know that we do this every week. We choose a topic, and we were approached, uh, man, several months ago, actually, Josiah, um, to do this podcast on um, the Young Adults uh, podcast that Josiah Keneally has. And so what we're doing is um, putting our podcast together. We're gonna welcome two fan base, two creepers, uh, two circles from each side. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I wanna welcome all of the young adult uh, listeners from Josiah's uh, podcast. And I wanna welcome uh, Youthology Live to this podcast that will be uh, basically um, set up on the topic of young adult ministry. But I think we're going to delve into a little bit into my story also. Yes. To be honest, I've never really done my story in a complete podcast anyway. I've blogged on it, Josiah, but this is the first time that we're doing it, um, uh, that, that we'll, we'll specifically be doing this live and uh, answering maybe some questions about what uh, I, I, my, in, in my family went through. So, yeah. Welcome to everyone. Yes. Yeah, so thankful. And... For the Young Adults Stat Today listeners out there, just want you to know our great friend, Jeff Grinnell, after four decades of youth ministry leadership, Jeff founded Youthology to raise the level of youth leadership. Youthology is the study of youth and exists to educate, resource, and inspire youth to train youth leaders and prepare the next generation to lead in the church and throughout the world. So this includes church events, parachurch, on-campus, anti-sex trafficking, humanitarian efforts. Jeff released his first book, um, If Job Had Twitter, and has two other books coming out soon. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I was talking with my wife, Micah, before this, and probably nobody has invested more deeply into both my life as well as Micah's life, our spiritual formation and the leadership development in ministry than Jeff Grinnell. So Jeff, one of the axioms that you taught us and you live out every day is so powerful. And you would, you would tell me as a college student, my ceiling, your floor. And yeah. you practice what you preach. You allow uh, young leaders like Mike and I to stand on your shoulders. Youth ministry everywhere is changing because of it. Young adult ministry everywhere is changing because of it. And we honor that about you. And we want to do the very same thing for others now on this podcast. Good. Thank you. Those are very kind words. I wish that uh, every time I hear that statement and talk to people that I've mentored or influenced, I, I, I wish people could see maybe a picture, a symbol of that, because when you say things like, hey, we're standing on your shoulders, that's because I'm standing on the shoulders of someone else. And they are standing on the shoulders of someone else. And if you could see that picture, it's like, it's like this ladder to heaven, right? You know, um, I'll tell you this much, and I, leaders will know what I'm talking about when I say this. And you do too, Josiah, because this is happening in your life also. 
there are some people that are very easy to lead. You are one of those people. It, you, uh, no drama, you know. <laughs> um, it, people, so, sometimes it's very difficult to lead people, but there are some people when you see them, it's like, mm, okay, this is gonna be easy, you know. And you just, you, you basically uh, just do life organically together with them and it all comes together and you get the credit and you did very little, so. <laughs> Wow. Well, Jeff, this is exciting. I've been looking forward to this moment for a while now. And Jeff, can you share your story and some of your ministry journey with us? How did you find yourself now four decades into youth ministry? Oh, man. Yeah. This is, uh, this is a, this, this story that I love to ask other people, too. So sitting on the other end of this question is exciting because uh, in conversation, I get asked this often. One of the things that uh, I am always drawn back to um, it, with my calling. I guess that's what we call that, you know, um, what were the initial stages of your calling or how did that develop? I think I kind of knew it growing up in the church. Uh, I, I never missed anything. Our family was there for everything. My grandfather was an evangelist. My dad kind of skipped that calling uh, and then I picked it up again. But you would never known it because we were there when the doors were open and we, and we closed them. Um, one of the things that I sensed early in my life was this passion for the underdog. You know, even though, uh, even though probably in my teen years, I was more of a bully and more of the big man on campus and that kind of thing. I always had this passion for the underdog and I never realized really what that was until my senior year when I really gave my heart to Christ, even though I had given my heart to Christ probably just about every week or every camp or every convention before that, you know. I, I um, can relate, and I think a lot of others can. <laughs> many, many do. But there was that moment, and I won't get into that story, where my life was completely turned around in May of 1980, right before my senior year, the end of my junior year. And it was then that I started realizing, okay, I know what this is. And... Uh, went off to college and committed to youth ministry my freshman year in college. And basically what I said to the Lord was, listen, uh, I've, I want to do this. If you change your mind, let me know. And I talked to him every day and he hasn't asked me to do anything different. So people ask me all the time, why are you still doing youth ministry at 57, you know, 35 years into this? And I tell him the same thing every time. God has if he wants to change his mind, he can do it. I'm listening. But he hasn't told me to do anything different. So I feel like, you know, with that whole longevity question, you know, and you can pick up on our blog with that. And we have several podcasts on that. The reason why I'm still doing what I'm doing is because I've reinvented myself along the way. I put myself around the right people. I have uh, proximity with students, right? Uh, people, when youth pastors say to me, man, I'm 30 and I'm aging out. I'm like, what? You're nuts, man. You know, <laughs> proximity with students will keep you current. Um, you know, there's so many other things too, but uh, being around the right people who, uh, especially, especially young, younger leaders who uh, keep me younger and then the students who keep me younger, um, re reinventing, maybe the third thing, reinventing myself a little bit, um, finding different uh, traits, different characteristics, different, uh, I don't know, gifts, 
that I'm that I might have that I've not used before. I love, uh, you know, about four years ago I started doing spoken word. I never did spoken word, not for 31 years. Always and then about four years ago I started doing spoken word uh, because this great spoken word artist said to me, have you ever done spoken word? I've been listening to your messages and they rhyme anyway, you know? So I was like, okay, let's just try it, you know? And so whatever. Jeff, that's amazing. And I just um, was thinking in my head while I, I'm hearing you say this, and you did youth ministry in the, and, and young adult ministry in the 1980s, in the 1990s, in the 2000s, we're coming on, on the end of the teen decade and we're about right. to enter into the roaring 20s. What right. amazing time to be alive and what a great resource that we get to spend time with today. Somebody who's seen trends um, come and go and then come again. And yes. I heard you talk about that. And so, Jeff, you, you said why you do what you do is you talk to God. And you talk to him every day, and this is what he asked you to do, and he hasn't asked you to do anything else. There's also purpose in pain, and this is the message of Jesus. This is the message of your book, if Job had Twitter, that God gets the worship, the glory, the honor, the praise in our lives in both circumstances that are desirable as well as terrible. And will you go there and just share that aspect of your story, if you will? For sure. Yeah, I wrote the book, um, hashtag, If Job Had Twitter. By the way, I found out there was no other book with the title, ha with a hashtag as a title. Trendsetter. Trendsetter. <laughs> had no idea that was true. I thought it was a stupid idea. I sent it to somebody, and they're like, um, I don't know if I like that. I said, oh, well. <laughs> so anyway, now there's another one. I've seen it since. But um, I wrote the book for millennials and for Gen Z so they could – uh, deal with suffering and many of you know my story but uh, the you know the 411 on it is this um, we're at my daughter's wedding uh, about five years ago uh, today this is their anniversary wow. Wow. Yeah, isn't that crazy that's pretty wild and yeah. um, what happened was Jane had become sick uh, throughout the course of the wedding um, that week perfect health uh, if you knew us we were very active I mean there was zero signs and by the end of the wedding, she had bruises, uh, over 24, 25, 26 bruises all over her body. And she began to hide them. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, long story, you know, really short on that day, I take her to the uh, emergency room um, at the end of that evening. And she spent the next 28 days there. And they told us on Sunday afternoon, the very next day that we were there, that uh, Jane had two to three days to live. She had stage four metastatic melanoma. And I remember looking at her in the ICU and she curled, she was curled up into a ball, you know? Uh, and she's like, is this real life? And I looked at her and said, whatever this is, we are going through this together. And I remember even in the book, there's a chapter on that, um, on net, don't do hardship alone. Yeah. So. I remember Jane saying to me, and I, it's in the it's in the book where I let Jane's words do the talking, because um, she had recorded some of these things before she passed, and so I put it into the book into the book. Powerful. And one of the things she said in the book was, "I looked at his eyes in, in ICU, and I knew that was true." And so you know whether that's young marrieds who are together, 
uh, anyone listening to this podcast, marriage till death do us part um, in sickness and in health, that became really real in our like 31st year of marriage. You know, um, we never had to face that before. And now it's like our faith is, is this the same faith that we have when we're talking with talking to young people, when I'm on stage at a youth convention, when I'm in, um, in, in a one-on-one with somebody, we're talking about difficulty and hardship. And so we go through that process, uh, with, and you can get the book and hear the rest of the story, but uh, she passed away about 16 months later. And um, when I wrote the book, God gave me the idea and said, I want every chapter to be an argument. Every chapter to be uh, something that you would that that young you would counter or apologetics kind of you know yes. how how could you walk a teenager and a young adult through that concept like I said earlier of uh, I'm alone I'm the only one God how could you God God do you know who I am right God if there if children are suffering then how come you know if if you're so good then why would that why is my mom sick? How come my father pet, right? Yes. We ask all these questions. And so that one chapter, you know, one of the chapters uh, deals with, well, all of us go through this. You're not the only one. So let's do this together. You know, so. Yeah, Jeff, it's, it's amazing um, to just watch your example. And um, for leaders listening, I've read the book. Mike has read the book. It is deep, it is powerful, it is impactful. And you might be in a, in a season right now where you're questioning your faith. You're asking the age-old question of why do bad things happen to good people? Right. It's an age-old question that you talk about, Jeff. And yeah. Yeah, can I, I'm going to give you, yeah. I have, one of the chapters is that. Um, let me just give you two of the, of the things in that chapter because uh, we have to answer that question. We can't skirt that question. You can't just like, hey, uh, default, let's just go away. Not at Uh, all. God is good all the time, all the time. God is right. So let me answer that. Number one, I don't know. I do not know why bad things happen to good people. I don't know why good things happen to bad people. I don't know why God seems to be... uh, unjust in that area okay let's number one i don't know Mm -hmm. and neither do you me either exactly and if we don't accept that all of our other answers don't mean a thing because we can throw out our answers i'll give you one of the i give four or five in that chapter um if we can't be settled with the fact that we, we may not know, then all of our other attempts don't matter. True. Second, uh, and maybe this will help somebody. Um, why bad things happen? Because God is a good God and he can't be anything else. If the scriptures are true, and this is where the faith comes in because there'll be unbelievers who listen to this podcast and say, that's why I don't serve God. For sure. Well, you're, you're going to have to serve. You're serving somebody when it gets into apologetics. You're serving civil law, your own law or scripture, government law, 
your own law or scripture? Which one are you, uh, which one are you going to trust the most? <laughs> right. And for me, I've been on all, I've been in all three of those laws. And the only one that's ever worked out perfectly for me has been Christianity in the scriptures. So that, so some people would say, man, that's what the Bible says. That's what I have. And you're right. I'm basing everything that I'm going to say on, on scripture in this second point, because I do walk outside of scripture with some of those things also and why God does what he does. Um, but, it, but anyway, I believe that all of us have to have a, a base or a standard of what we believe in. And I believe that God is good. And if he is good and the scriptures say he is, he can't be anything else. He can't be bad. He can't be inconsistent. He, right. He can't be unfair. He's the Bible says that he is just, that he is holy. He is good. And if he is everything that he does is also, even though it may not look like it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that would be the second thing I'd say. And, and, you know, okay, let me, let me give you one more. Go for it. Go for it. The reason why is because I've mentioned it. Let, Let me step outside of scripture. The reason why bad things happen to good people is because of, accidents because of cause and effect if i were to reach up and turn this video off that's not god's fault it's not technology's fault it's my fault totally you know uh athletes understand what i'm about to say no pain no gain Mm -hmm. there are laws in nature we get sick we run through red lights we fall asleep at the wheel. We uh, become angry and our immaturity causes us to do something that causes another person harm. That's not God's fault. I do believe God works within cause and effect. If we'll let him, you know, like uh, Billy, Billy Graham's wife said, um, you, if God uh, doesn't apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah, how can he continue to treat America uh, with grace, right? So if you look at the way God operates, he's been fair from the beginning. Mm. (laughs) It just sometimes doesn't look like it. And that's what cause and effect brings into the whole equation. This doesn't seem fair. Well, um, it isn't. And we don't want what's just, (laughs) we don't want what's fair. So there's so much more in that chapter, but anyway. And I hope that, as a listener, you will take the time and dig into that, that chapter and hashtag if Job had Twitter some more. And Jeff, one of the things that you've shared with me a couple of times is that Jane gave you like a final charge here on earth. Yeah. She yeah. spoke something to you that affirmed and confirmed and really almost stoked a fire in you that already existed. And yeah. would, you, would you share that with our, our group today? Yeah, great lead and great segue to maybe some youth stuff we can talk about in young adult in ministry. Um, yeah, one, you know, we had a conversation on the night before she went into a coma. Uh, and then she was in a coma for 18 days, uh, December 1st, right after Thanksgiving. And then she passed away on December 8th, 2015. On that night, Kids had come over, then they had left, and we were talking, and she, she made the statement, and she could, she could barely communicate at this time, but um, uh, she made the statement, raise the level of youth ministry in America. 
and it felt like a charge, man. It felt like, I don't know if she sensed, you know, in me weariness or if she sensed, you know, what am I going to do now? Here, here's a life change. Mm -hmm. uh, what's going to happen, you know? Um, but when she said that, raised the level of youth ministry in America, I felt like this reborn, I felt recalled to youth ministry. And I had felt that several times in, in my life, actually uh, another time previous to that. And a, a third time happened in uh, February of 2018. Wow. Uh, when uh, I, I went down to Florida uh, after the shooting in Parkland and I walked uh, the, the campus of Stoneman Douglas High School and saw over 500 students who were still there uh, a couple of weeks after the shooting. Wow. And I'm, I'm, I'm you know, this is, this is a year and a half ago. And I'm walking on that campus and I'm crying with these students. I never met these students in my life. And I'm walking through and I see the building and I see the flowers and I see the memorials. And I stop and talk to students who are sitting in circles, hundreds of students still, two weeks after building clothes and I'm standing on that campus and God says to me, this is why I've called you to youth ministry. And I remember texting a friend from the campus saying, I just got called into youth ministry. And he was like, what are you saying? You've been doing this, right? I said, I just got called again. Yeah. Every youth leader who is struggling with that call. Yeah. Man, there are moments when you feel that, uh, that energy again, I've had, I, I, know it's, I hate to say three because I've had three of those moments because it's like we always use that number. Anyone that knows me knows I don't use three points in my message. I always use two. Um, I, I'm, I'm afraid of saying that because when people say, when they do, when we say things like that, they're like, oh, okay, there's three times. But it really was three times. And I'm, I can't wait for the next one. Maybe I don't need the next one right now. But, um, but when Jane spoke that to me, that was the second time I had had an experience like that of this recalling. So... Jeff, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I'm just that, that's so powerful that you shared that. And I remember her Jane's celebration of life, her funeral service. And the thing that stood out to me most is that you worshiped with two hands in the air. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that this is probably part of it. But and as I'm going to ask you the question, what does it look like to raise the level of youth leadership in America or yeah. youth ministry in America? I think that maybe perhaps. The Spirit of God is even saying this morning, it starts by raising your two hands in the air, ha having awe and glory yeah. that God gets praise, yeah. gets worship on great days Surrender. And, and horrible days and in the good, in the bad. And But what does it look like for the listener, for you, for me, for us today to raise that level of youth leadership in America and young adult ministry leadership in America? Yeah. Uh, wow. The volunteerism for sure. There, you know, the study has come out. It'll be in the book. Uh, it's actually in book two. Uh, specifically, I deal with uh, the the details of this study, but I do mention it in book one. Seventy-six to eighty percent of youth ministry in America is run by volunteers. Amazing. And I know that's odd for people like you who have been employed full time in the position. Right myself that's all I've ever known um, I have I have managed volunteers and delegated volunteers and recruited 
volunteers re- and you know recruiting and retention of volunteers yeah. are very yeah. important but um eight out of ten youth ministries in the nation are run by a non-paid person and that's just an insane stat because even when i say that people are like oh come on and now i can show them this i i have the the uh the data so uh, I don't know what you have read or heard about that. I've heard 60%. I've heard half. That's not true. It is not true. And, um, uh, and I think those of us that, that really look at it understand it too. Um, those stats actually seem hot, low to me. I feel like they should be higher from my experience. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you, uh, a lot of our listeners know, but many may not. I do this full time. I'm in a different church. Yeah. I'm in a different community setting every week. Uh, I will be in a small, medium, and large church. I will be in an urban, suburban, and rural setting every month. So I'm not just looking at multiple teams, you know, uh, youth ministry teams that I have two and three youth pastors on the team. In, in September, I'm in two settings like that, Okay. Um, but I'm also in a small setting every month. And I say the same thing. It is volunteer driven. If we don't raise the level of the volunteer, then we don't raise the level of youth ministry because it's not about superheroes and justice league and Marvel, you know, and super friends, uh, uh, you know, Superman or whatever. There are so many heroes that uh, never get a comic book or, but they never get a television show. They, they don't have a name, right? I might get a name. You might get you might get a name. Uh, Josiah's Iron Man. I, I'll be Spider Man. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, there are so many volunteers who never get a name. They, they'll never be on a. They'll, they'll never be on a movie, and they're the ones that are doing ministry um, nationwide in this in the kingdom. So, what that looks like for me, first of all, honestly. It's not just having discussions with full-time people. Yeah. And I have that. that you know, a lot of the resources is full-time people who look at that and whatever. But uh, I, I, was, I committed myself to the volunteer. Well, and I would just say to the listener, there are many of you who are volunteers. And we just want to pause and say thank you so much. Thank you. Your investment, what thank you're doing you. matters so, so deeply. And look back at your own life. Um, whether you're a volunteer, part-time, full-time, considering being a volunteer, considering going full-time, here's the deal. If you look at your life, I would venture to guess that probably a youth volunteer or a young adult ministry leader who is a volunteer had some of the most deep spiritual insight into your life. Yes. Prayed for you, was there for you, showed up when it when you needed them most. And there are no limits on what a volunteer can Good. do in God's kingdom. And Good. so we're covering all kinds of topics on this. Jeff, that's so, so good. And I think that leads into the next question really well, as far as faithfulness, consistency, longevity. You know, I did your intro, your bio earlier, and it's hard to put into a sentence or a few sentences, entire decades of ministry. But I think how I could do it is faithful, consistent, longevity. When I think of you, Jeff, this is what I think. And so will you share some of the insight on what you've learned, sticking with it, having grit, 
stick with mm -hmm. it, not giving up. Yeah. You've had hard days. You've had great days, no question. But share some of the insight of four decades of youth leadership and next generation ministry on longevity. Yeah, I shared the one, getting the right people around you and the leaders around you. Uh, proximity with students, number two. Um, it, it, those can't go unsaid. The, uh, there's a chapter on longevity in book two. And the, the people we have that cheer us on around us and that shape us, our, our, men, our mentors, our Yodas, however you want to say that, are critical for our, our health. Um, choosing the right people. Um, the, and then uh, proximity, understanding youth culture, being with teenagers, listening yeah. to them talk, listening to them share. A week doesn't go by, not a week goes by that I don't talk to a teenager. Mm -hmm. I've walked up to a teenager at an airport, at the mall, mm -hmm. uh, at a game or whatever, and just started talking to them. And it is so easy, if you will. If it, it, I know it sounds intimidating to some people, but um, the proximity is huge. Third, when I think of longevity, I think of my own wellness. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And we do not talk about this enough. Wellness is not just physical. Mm -hmm. It's not just my weight. It's not just my, my diet. It's not just my exercise. It's not just uh, my sleep habits. Um, it, it's not just my uh, social skills, relational skills. Um, it's not just my emotional skills or my intelligence. It's all of this. Yeah. Well, wellness is uh, comprehensive. And as I, I place, and I, and I mean this, I'm going to say this, I mean this, I place as much importance on, on uh, my spiritual wellness as I do my total wellness. Yeah. And the scriptures are so clear. I, I do believe spiritual wellness is, is central. Yeah. It's central. Notice I didn't say first necessarily. It is the center. It's like the wheel hub. I hate doing that one, two, three, four, five priority thing. Mm -hmm. I like doing I like doing the center, and it's the center and all the other spokes you know uh, that support the wheel, uh, the hub. It's center central in my life. I don't really have a first or a second or a third in my life. Um, all, everything else revolves around that. Yeah. But I, and I really mean that. I, I bike. If I'm home, I bike. I, I if I'm home, I bike. I used to run. Now I can't do that. I, I tore my Achilles and I'm getting old. <laughs> Although I shouldn't say that because you know how many marathoners and runners are older than I am even. But anyway, that's just a lifetime of beating myself in the gym and my body has worn down a little bit. So, um, but I don't have a car. I walk everywhere. Yeah. I go to bed the same time within 15 minutes. I go to bed the same time every day. I get up almost the same time every day. Yep. I eat two meals a day. I've done that for 16 years. I mean, I'm not a glutton. Okay. I fast every Friday. Today is, uh, happens to be a Friday. I'm fasting today. Yep. Just water today. Thursday night to Friday night. Every week. Um, my goal is 100 days of fasting every year. And I, I approach that pretty close to it. I've done it several times. But... Um, 
so I always add days to the 52 that I, you know, sometimes I have to switch that day if I'm with leaders or I'm at an event or whatever, but I'm very committed to the, to wellness. Um, and I feel like when we talk about the longevity program, you know, that, that whole concept that people will ask, well, you know, I pray and then they move on and talk a lot about other things. I cannot underestimate, um, your, your, your total wellness. Uh, because if you are healthy, you can deal with anything that comes your way. Um, which includes this fourth area when you talk about longevity. I mean, I can go off on, on each of those first three, but the fourth area is solving problems. Leaders don't solve problems. They move to another location and pick up a new set of problems. Wow. Way too often. I, I've told this story before, and I will tell it again. I love to tell this story. It was just a few years ago, a young man uh, who was in ministry, I had mentored him, calls me on the phone. He had been, he had been to where he was as a youth pastor for about 11 months, just under a year. And he calls me on the phone and he's like, Hey man, how you doing? I'm like, Hey, I'm great. And he said, uh, I just, I just want you to know, I think the Lord is moving me on. And I hung the phone up. I hung the phone up on, the, on this young dude and he calls me back and he's like, Hey, sorry, we got disconnected. And I said, no, 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 no. We didn't get disconnected. I disconnected. I, said, I hung up on you. And he was like, so I did it again. I just hung up and he never called me back. And he's still there at that church. And it's been almost four years. Crazy. I'm not making the story up. And we've talked since about it. And he said, you, you're so right. I was choosing the easy out. Wow. God might be calling me. Listen, I, I want to say this because I say this strongly, but, uh, but I want to say this because some people judge me on this all the time. Just that I hear it all the time. Um, so I, I will say this. God can change his mind. And he can move you. I get that. But it's rare. Yep. It is rare. Yep. And I really mean that. The reason why most, not all, hear me, because this is where people are going to get contentious with me. The reason why most people in ministry move is not because God called them. It's because they didn't solve problems. Because ministry life is about solving problems. And if we don't solve a problem, all you do by moving is take that set of problems with you and then pick up a whole new set of problems in that because people are people, you know, and location doesn't change your ability to solve problems. So uh, to me, the number one, the number, you know, one, two, three, one of the most important, these, all of these are important, but one of the, to me, I've said this many times, the, the number one reason why youth leaders have left is because they didn't solve problems, not because God called them. That's the thing that I hear over and over. So there are men, there are other things with longevity, but this podcast can't be too long or millennials won't listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeff, it's fascinating that you're saying um, stick, sticking with it and solving problems. One of my favorite quotes comes from Albert Einstein and he was asked about his genius, his IQ. And people said, why are you so smart? And he's like, honestly, it's not that I'm so smart. It's just that I stick with problems long enough to solve them. Yeah. 
And I think that might be worth this episode of the podcast right there for somebody facing the challenge. Stick with it. Don't give yes. up. You're doing better than you think. God is doing more yes. than you realize. And I, I think that sticking with it is what Einstein did. We, we would do well as Christian ministry leaders to learn from a very smart man. And I think we'd also do well to look at Jesus' model that you talk about in Luke 2.52. Jesus grew it. First of all, it's Jesus. That's the center. Jesus grew in wisdom, Good. in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with men. And that, that ties in with your point three there of wellness is not just physical. It's mentally, it's physically, it's spiritually, it's socially. There's an emotional component. There's a financial component. God cares about the whole person, the whole human being. And so I just want to reiterate that, that that is so vital. And we also know, Jeff, that you're in a different setting often. You've been doing this nationwide for a long time. You have a unique advantage point mm. that, that I'd love to dive into this. What is or what are some of the primary issues that you see teens and young adults dealing with across America? Yeah, good. There are so many great trends. There, there really are. Let me, let me give you, um, let me give you two or three of those too. The, uh, there is a whole chapter in the book on this. Um, in the first book, I think it is. Yes. Um, and I think I give six or seven things that I see going on. Um, some great things. And like you said, it is an advantage. I guess maybe in some ways it's a disadvantage when you see the negative things, but um, I get to see it all. I get to see the good, bad, and the ugly or whatever, you know, as they say. Um, one of the things that I love that cannot be underestimated is the growing diversity movement Yeah, in the church. And I, I know, man, I have, I, I've logged on this monthly. I've checked on it because people ask me about this all the time. This is a major, major point of mine. And I know I'm the white guy in the room. Right. I, I mean, I get that. Um, but I feel like that actually gives me some qualification to say something about it because too many of us have not. Mm. And I'm telling you, there is a beautiful, consistent, uh, growing diversity in the church in America. The youth, youth ministry in America is becoming so diverse because our culture is. Right, the world is, America is. Exactly. Yep. Schools are. Now, what we, unfortunately, we don't hear the good side of that because adults who have rightly been hurt by racism, okay, um, control the narrative. And they're not letting this younger generation free of the past. And that, that, that I come under judgment. I come. People say things to me often about that, that it, you shouldn't say that. Uh, listen, I didn't just say there wasn't racism in America. I'm not blind to that. I, I've acknowledged that. Read my post. Read the whole thing. But what I'm telling you is there is a growing set, young people in this country, who really don't care. Okay? It's a non-issue to them. It is a non-issue to them. Um, except for people who continue to bring it back into their face and remind them of it. And, and again, please hear me. Uh, I'm not denying that 
the fact that we have racism in America. I'm just telling right. you, it's older than we think. Mm. And I'm not saying that it doesn't exist in high school, it doesn't exist in junior high. What I'm telling you is there's a growing racism that is coming up right alongside of it. And we get what we promote. And I know, I know it doesn't even seem fair for the white guy to say this. And I default to that, I get it. And I, but I wish that we would listen to the, the majority of Gen Z and millennials who are saying, we don't give a flip. We are hurt by it. My mom and dad were hurt by it. My uncle, my aunties are hurt by it. My grandma, we, we understand that, but could we move on? And the statistics prove it. This is not just Grinnell because he travels and he sees this. The statistics prove it. Uh, February, 2018, the Gen Z study by Barna, Impact 360 study, this is the most, by far, this is the most intergenerational. That's my term. They didn't use that term, but I love to use that term. I didn't say intergenerational. I said intergenerational. Mm. Okay. Old and young, um, of every color, tribe, nation. I love, I, I think it's my term. I really do. So uh, I'm not an activist, but I think I've come up, I, I created that term. I've blogged on it for many years now but this is the most diverse generation we've ever seen in America. Right. Up to 82% of millennial and Gen Z, this is the number. So I'm combining millennial numbers and Gen Z numbers. And that combination is 82% of them spend time with someone of the opposite race. That's a beautiful stat, it is a beautiful stat. And if you walk into high schools in America, you can see it. If you walk into youth ministry in America, you can see it. If you go to my social media, I don't go more than three rows in my social media without promoting it. And you mm -hmm. can see me with this diverse, multi-racial uh, setting, intergenerational setting, because it is growing. And we have, to, we have to promote that narrative. If we could put, listeners, if we could put the pen the social pen in the hand, if we could put the microphone in, the, in front of the face of this generation, they would tell a different story than what's being said on primetime networks. I'm telling you, they would. Because we're only one more racial incident in Baltimore away from the news covering 24 seven. We, we see it all the time. We see the diverse, we see this, this um, division in government. We see it as so plain in front of us. But I wish we could just take the visit to teenagers who are practicing in who are practicing right now as school starts up on the field, high-fiving, right? We're working through problems, red and yellow, black, brown and white on the same team. Studying on the same team. Man, I could go off and I could go off on this for a long time. Yeah. Again, please hear me. It is a growing, a beautiful growing movement in youth ministry diversity. That is amazing. And I, I think that that's clearly a, a, a passion of yours. And David Wilkerson says it best. I believe that all true passion is born out of burden. It's born out of anguish. And there's a problem. And you're acknowledging that there is a problem. But yeah. the, 
when you have is a, a different outcome, a new picture. There's something that you see as a trend that's moving away from this problem. Right. And I'm so excited about that. And Jeff, something that's happening that I believe will be a, an amazing resource soon is your next book. We talked about hashtag if Joe yeah. better, and now this youthology book one as, with your ministry of youthology, you're an evangelist. You coach a lot of young leaders. You preach weekly on Sundays, Wednesdays, summer camps, youth conventions, mm-hmm. other events. But there's a book that you wrote about trends like the one you just shared about practical, both theory, theology, and practical. And this book is coming soon. Will you tell us about it? Yes, yes, I cannot wait. You know the process of writing a book, Josiah. You've done the same thing, man. Um, it, it just takes everything you have and the focus you have, and it's difficult to do when you're traveling. It's, you know, I, I don't have evenings off, you know, or whatever. I don't have weekends off, you know. This is what I do full time. But uh, I had, to be honest, I had been writing it for a while. Um, over 10 years had been writing it, uh, kind of a life work. And then when Jane passed, I put that aside. And so I picked it up again. And I just finished book one, uh, which will come out this fall. And then book two in uh, late winter, spring. And it's called Youthology, the Study of Youth. And book one is uh, basically a history, a theology, um, uh, of youth ministry. And it's more theoretical, uh, looking at the, um, the last 150 years when basically youth ministry began um, in, that, in, in its beginning stages and looking at it today and then looking at the future of it also. There's a chapter there on what will youth ministry look like in the next 25 years if the Lord tarries. Then I do a, theolo- a theology of it. Why do, we, why do we have youth ministry? Why do we need it? And so, then how to, yeah, how to uh, bring theology back into youth ministry. And, and man, I, I feel really strongly about that. We have so much hype um, in youth ministry today. Uh, programming, however you want to say it. Um, sound bites. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but very little theology in youth ministry and it's all the stats prove that too man four percent four percent of teenagers in america have a christian worldview wow four percent the lowest of every of any set the lowest of any any social set that we've ever had and uh it's increasing dramatically decreasing dramatically so the only way we solve that is to turn back around and, and deal with that so uh, and then there's a challenge in book one also to bring about the greatest awakening we've ever seen in history. Yeah. So that, the first part is kind of a rah-rah, let's get them all fired up for youth ministry. And then book two, man, uh, uh, again, almost done. Uh, just going through the editing process with that too, but I'm going to release them separately about uh, six months apart. Um, book two is uh, more uh, not theoretical, it's more practical. And there's chapters on leadership development. There's chapters on recruiting leaders and retaining leaders and campus access. And uh, one, of my, one of my favorite chapters is crisis in youth ministry and dealing with bullying and uh, self-harm and, you know, cutting and suicide, all those big issues. And, um, so I'm really excited about it. It's, it's been a ton of work. 
and uh, I can't wait to get this into the hands of teams, you know. Um, yeah. There's a volunteer chapter. Uh, and, and to be honest, man, I'll, there's a vein through the whole thing uh, on volunteers too, you know. The volunteers will see them, that's my name, you know, in every chapter. So, yeah. Amazing. We're so excited about this resource. Jeff, you are an amazing resource to the leaders of this generation. And let me ask you this. <clears throat> yeah. To kind of wrap things up, if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing as they're listening and this podcast is winding down, you leave them with one thing today, what would that be? Yeah, this is, I say this all the time, man when I'm talking to young adult leaders and doing, you know, Chi Alpha movements like you're involved in, uh, which is the university movement, college, uh, young adult movement for our denomination. Yeah. Um, stay close to teenagers. It can be very easy once we get into university to become collegiate. Okay. Um, there are so many things I would say, but this is this is perfect for our podcasts together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stay close to teenagers. You, you realize half of the university um, population is teenagers anyway. Yes. 18 and 19 year olds, you know? So if we, if we uh, become too collegiate too quickly, too academic too quickly, mm -hmm. and, and I have my masters and, and so do you, mm -hmm. I teach at the university level. I've taught at the university level for 11 years now. I, I get that. Uh, this is not a statement against getting your, your degree in field, your highest degree in field. Um, not a statement like that at all. What I'm saying is uh, just don't become too collegiate and academic that you forget about adolescence. And I know there's a whole vein, there's an argument there that we don't need adolescence and, you know, um, we have to grow out of that and whatever. I just completely disagree with that. Um, so, so much study on how creativity is lost every 10 years of your life, every decade of your life. Wow. We somehow are educated out of our creativity. And it begins and it ends. And it's unfortunate. So I would just say to all the leaders, understand your target. Don't forget what shapes them. Because if you get them early, then you've got them when they're juniors and seniors. Yes. Right. Yeah. If, if you ask them to grow up too quickly, man, uh, that's a first of all, it's a bummer. <laughs> you know, people Life say to me all the time. Anyway, people say to me all the time, I want to be like you, like when I grow up. And I said, well, don't grow up then, you know, <laughs> because that's the key <laughs> to being like me. So but Jay, look at Jane's social media. I've left it live for mm. a reason. And on there, it says wife to uh, four eternal teenagers, you know, <laughs> something like that. Like uh, wife to three kids and, and one eternal teenager. So um, yeah, I would just say to your leaders, man, don't lose base, don't lose touch with uh, understanding of the teen crowd because that's who you're gonna reach initially. If you can get them right there in that freshman year, you know that. And that, to be honest, in that first month of school, when they walk on campus and they're all looking around going, uh, what just happened to my life? Make it or break it. Make it, yeah. So that's what I would say. Jeff, that's amazing. And, and we could dive in deeper of even chemically. And oh, yeah. right brain versus left brain is some of what you're talking about of how Good. 
the older we get, there's a direct correlation between age and brain dominance. And we, be, we become yeah. a lot more logical, a lot yeah. more academic, and we lose touch with creativity. And what if leaders today took a, took a field trip to a high school, a university campus, to a mall, to an airport, um, to, a, to a football game? What if, what if leaders took a field trip for date night to a Disney movie? To, to recapture the wonder and the awe and, and just to see through young people's eyes all over again. And what if, what if they be a youth leader in the local church? Yes. And I know that sounds like a conflict, but it really isn't because now you are spending, you know, a day a week or whatever. Uh, even if it's just a volunteer leader, maybe you sit with your youth pastor and say, listen, I have this ministry in Chi Alpha, but you know, uh, I would love to just, be here on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights or whatever, because uh, it keeps you connected proximity, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. And so, man, Jeff, I just want to say thank you so much for such a riveting conversation. So fun and um, really appreciate your insight, who you are, your consistency, your availability, even with travel to do something like this as a resource. And we're excited because there are more resources coming in 2019 and 2020 yeah. with Youthology. Yes. And I just wanna say that you can find out more about Jeff Grinnell and Youthology when you connect with us on our website, youngadults.today, as well as social media across all platforms is youngadults.today. Jeff, is there anything else you wanna say? Follow us, uh, you know, all the socials, follow both of us, and uh, Jeff Grinnell or Youthology will find it for me. Youthology.com. I, I actually got a link tree on Twitter and Instagram. It has the website, all that stuff there. Um, all of the, all of our uh, podcasts and our um, our video casts, all of the um, the the blog content for the last uh, thir- 14 years is on the website. So you can follow it there, or you can go to the YouTube page and follow us there. Um, iTunes, it's all, it's all over. Amazing. Well, thank you for your time, Jeff. And until next time, this is Young Adults Stop Today, multiplied with Youthology Live. Thanks for joining us. Judge up right now, yeah.